up, Disrupt Nation? So my name is Anthony Delgado, and today we have a really, really, really special panel of guests. Uh, people from all around the world know walks of life. Uh, I would like each and every one of you guys to introduce yourselves and what you do and where you're from. So Vicky, you want to yeah. get us started? Awesome. So I'm Vicky from Social Vibes Media. It's a digital marketing agency in Jersey, but I also serve as the brand ambassador for the Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of New Jersey with over 80,000 members. And I work with the small business organizations in New Jersey as well to help entrepreneurs and small startups. Awesome, that sounds really cool. Uh, so my name is Roberto Blake. I'm a creative entrepreneur, YouTuber, public speaker. I help a lot with uh, small businesses that want to move into social media. I also help social media influencers and creative pros uh, master the business side of things so they're not starving artists. I'm very passionate about the, the creative community and the opportunities that entrepreneurship provides in the 21st century because <laughs> that's where we all live now, right? How's it going, everyone? My name is Carlos Skill. After a successful 10-year corporate marketing career, last year I started up Guild Media Co., which is a digital marketing agency out of Los Angeles, California. We work with Fortune 500 clients. In addition, I'm a public speaker, columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine. I also have a book that's going to be dropping in October of 2019, and a consultant as well. So it's great to be here. Awesome. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Fairstein, uh, Vice President of Ellington Media Group, Chief Marketing Officer of the Seven Figure Practice, and also on the Forbes Communication Council. And we are in the medical space. We deal with over 6,800 physicians nationwide, and I am currently doing a huge project marketing CCM Health Inc. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you guys so much for being on the panel. And I think you all come from super diverse backgrounds, but all in the marketing and, and that digital vein, that digital economy. Uh, my first question is the immigrant mentality, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think we're all, you know, maybe first, second, third generation um, Americans, but we all come from a diverse background. So I want to talk about, you know, you're all entrepreneurs, the entrepreneur mindset versus the immigrant mentality, and maybe speak on that and what you, maybe what you learned from your, uh, your parents and your grandparents, and then maybe what you had to unlearn in this new digital age. Yeah. So I don't know if this relates to your question, but <laughs> I almost had an identity crisis when I left corporate, was born and raised in Jersey, first generation, but I left corporate, I worked for PR Newswire, and I started my business, and it wasn't then that I realized I was categorized as a Latina woman business owner. And it's like, I, here's I never, this box, you yeah, can go like, in here. Yeah, here's this box, and yeah. I, I never realized the importance mm. and advantages and the disadvantages of what that meant to be a woman-owned minority business mm. because I never identified as a minority because I thought I was very American, born and raised in Jersey, went to school, you know, I visited my uh, Ecuador, so my parents are from, maybe visited three times. So I, I almost like this dual identity of like, well, am I a Latina business owner? Am I mainstream digital marketing person? So it, that identity I had to almost wrestle with and really almost compromise. Yeah, I'm Latina. It's part of my identity. Um, but I'm also as American as any other American born and raised here. So, I mean, it was an interesting thing for me. What about you, Roberto? Well, it's a very interesting question. It's one that I think about quite a bit. I mean, my dad came here uh, from Panama with nothing. Mm. Yeah, he was like the youngest of uh, four brothers. He was uh, very smart, did really well in school, graduated a year early before serving as a Marine. Uh, what I think I've learned, you know, being a first generation American on my father's side, second on my mother's side, is that the thing that I think my parents did very well, that I see a lot of immigrant families struggle with, 
is they allowed me to retain individual identity above anything else. You know, there's nothing wrong with loving your culture and where you come from, and they made sure I understood my culture and where I come from. They also made me understand, especially with my father serving in the armed services, the, the, the privilege we have to be Americans and what that represents mm. and the opportunity here. But at the same time, they never let me make who I am as a person secondary to any of those things. They allowed me to be myself and put that first. And I think that if you can put your personal values and ethics, your philosophy, the things that you believe in, and you can ground yourself with that, you can be successful as an entrepreneur and a business person because you won't compromise your values to fit or to be mainstream or to do what other people are doing because successful people zig when everyone else zags and you need absolute faith and conviction in yourself and the foundational principles of who you are in order to stand through that because you'll often be standing through it alone by yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that's kind of the struggle of immigrants are told assimilate and immigrants also fight to hold on to cultural identity. But I think that who you are, your unique DNA, who you're meant to be to fulfill your calling, it has to be what you hold above everything else if you're gonna really make a difference in the world. For sure. Carlos? That's a great question because you're, you're talking about what makes us unique through our culture, mm -hmm. which I love the question. I grew up in South Florida. My parents were both from Cuba. Uh, my dad grew up in Oyster Bay here in New York and Long Island, and he went to the military uh, right out of high school. He was actually drafted in the Vietnam era. So my father always has felt a great sense of pride to our country. Mm -hmm. I grew up as a kid in, in one of the highest Cuban populations in the United States, and my mom and dad never said, Carlos, you're Cuban, you're American. Mm -hmm. And there was always this sense of like, well, I want to be Latino. I want to be, you know, Hispanic and this and that. And, you know, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I went to a private school with a bunch of white Jewish kids growing up as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my reality. I didn't grow up in like Hialeah or, or Miami. Like, yeah. I had a very privileged upbringing. However, my parents always share, showed me the value of hard work. You know, my grandfather uh, came from Cuba and started up a tile business mm -hmm. that he grew into a, a self-made seven-figure business. In Miami in the 80s and 90s before he passed away but then my parents took over my parents have always seen a serial entrepreneur so even though I grew up seeing nice nice things nice houses nice cars went to private school I was always told like son this is the value of hard work mm -hmm. like nothing is given to you there's no free lunch whatsoever nothing is easy I got married at a young age and like my parents were like look you're on your own you're an adult now mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco a few years ago I live in LA now but it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco that I started learning more about my heritage and my culture, interestingly, because I would, I would meet these kids, they're 21, 22, and on paper, they're already worth millions of dollars because they've raised money through angel investors and VCs, and they got these ideas. Well, when I was growing up as a kid, none of that, there was no access to that. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. Today, even today, like I go yeah. back home to South Florida, and my friends are working or, like ordinary jobs at like a call center or mm -hmm. selling cars. So like yeah. when I'm schooling them on like, you know, you know, we got Uber and Instacart and like where I live in California, we live off of, you know, basically using iPhones and mobile apps. Like that whole concept is unknown to them because the way that we were wired or are wired as Latinos, at least where I'm from, is like you work for what you got. You're not like asking for handouts, like you for save sure. money and like you do ordinary jobs as an entrepreneur. 
Uh, and when I say ordinary, I'm talking about like you own a bodega or you own a clothing store. Yeah. You know, like you're not building Facebook or like this mobile app that's going to revolutionize the world that you're going to, you know, raise millions of dollars before you ever make a single penny. Well, I think the interesting um, point to that is now when Latinos and when children of immigrants are getting into the tech space, they have a different approach. They're almost hungrier because that they have that chip in their shoulder. Um, at Disrupt Week, we interviewed Brain High, and they're the first Puerto Rican company born and raised in Puerto Rico to get into Y Combinator. And they were the only company in their Y Combinator cohort that was profitable. From day one, they went into Y Combinator turning a profit because they don't have that luxury of thinking, hey, we're going to raise millions of dollars and, you know, ride on this bubble, right? And if, and if we lose somebody else's money, oh, well, there's another guy around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing I want to interject, like, you just mentioned the word bubble, and... Being that I've lived in San Francisco, everyone always refers to Silicon Valley as being a bubble. And, you know, I want to, of course, correct and say, like, we've all grown up in our own bubbles. Yep. For sure. So in the bubble yeah. that I grew up in, and I know, speaking for a fact, like, in Miami and South Florida, Latinos specifically aren't being educated on what exists on the world outside from, like, a tech startup Would you say it's still that idea? Because, like, a lot of the people that I came up with, like, again, growing up on military bases, multicultural, all that stuff. But, again, it's still this idea in a much a way of living hand to mouth and this idea that well if you if you don't work or put an honest day's sweat you don't eat which is bs because it's like yeah ask your boss how he did that like your boss doesn't like these people will say that that's most people let's be very real it's like maybe 80 percent 90 percent of people but yet the to be that top 20 top 10 top one their boss doesn't put in that same sweat equity because they did it up front sure hopefully or they had a good idea and i think that people from an immigrant culture we or minorities to believe, are wired yes, to believe, we're a, wired to believe a limiting belief that there's mm -hmm. a system of formal schooling Correct. that's going mm -hmm. to guarantee success and you go to go to college get your degree go get your post you know graduate degree and you're guaranteed success or you're a loser if you don't or and you're, you're a loser doomed. if you don't and you're doomed to being a laborer <laughs> I, I, I wish i would have known that because right. damn it i'm in so much debt <laughs> anyone, <laughs> you know, say, anyone want to get me out of debt and it has nothing to do with like you know the, the business no it has everything to do with my college degrees mm -hmm. <laughs> i wish someone would have educated me that there's a different way to look at the world a different way to make money that doesn't include formal schooling well i think and, the problem is i'm a russian jew i grew up here my parents you know the, when you said immigrant mentality the immigrant mentality personified is not having enough fear of not having enough fear mm. of somebody taking away from us the That's scarcity the, mentality scarcity yeah it's a scarcity mentality and i can tell you both my parents work seven days a week for 10 years and you know what sometimes you pay too much for your money and unfortunately both my parents passed away from cancer and not because not because these diseases weren't treatable. They were just too mm. busy working where they right. neglected themselves, where they didn't take the time to go to the doctor and say, oh, you know what, just give me a, let me get a mammogram, you know, mm. or let me go check my colon because I'm over 40 and I need to, every single man needs to check their colon, whatever. They didn't do that. And you know what, as a first, and you know what, I also lived a privileged life. I also went to private school. I went to Poly Prep in Brooklyn. And I, you know, the thing is, is um, I think, the children's job is to learn from the parents' mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we can't take it away. I mean, look at, look at what happened in that uh, Jewish synagogue in, in, in Pittsburgh, right? The, that mentality is out here, and the stupidity is there. No matter what you are, people are going to hate on you. People are going to try to hit, you know, kill you. Bl let's blame everything on the 1%, right? Like, 
No, let's blame on it. What I mean by 1% is there's less than 2% of Americans are Jewish, so let's blame all of our problems on them, or let's blame all of our problems on African Americans, or let's blame all our problems on the Latinos from Mexico. And blame that's all totally, of our problems on let's immigrants. Let's just blame on everything on everybody <laughs> else, and you get that, you know, you get that mob mentality. Yeah, 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 this is, this is, this is what's wrong with, with America. If we get rid of them, everything's going to be okay. Now, you'll still be the same loser you were four or five no, years ago because you never took responsibility for your life. But it's those immigrants that made America better and made America what it's supposed to be, and that's the immigrant. You know what? I, I'm not, I, I can't say I'm a victim of that also. Like, I don't need to work as hard as I need to. I don't need to go after what I need to, but I have that fear of not having enough. And I don't know if it's genetic or not, mm -hmm. but it is what it is. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. No, I, I think honestly, it's, it's a sense of pride too, not wanting to mm -hmm. disappoint our ancestors. Like I think about that a lot. You know, my my grandparents, my parents had it bad. I had it really good, and I think there's a sense of, of pride from within that you don't want to let your parents down. You know, at least I know for myself, speaking for myself, like I never wanted to let my mom and dad down. I dropped out of high school. I didn't go to college. I didn't do the traditional route. My dad wanted me to go to the military, so I felt like a failure at 17 years old. And it took me a while, like as I grew up and started kind of climbing that corporate ladder, to for me as an adult to feel like I'm making my mom and dad pr like proud of the work that I do. It's funny you say that because when everybody in my family, everybody around me tells me, "Why the hell are you doing this?" I say to myself, "You know what? My mom's proud of me. Wherever she is right now, I know she's proud of me." And it's funny you said that because it, it is what it is, man. You know what I mean? I think we're the fabric of, of America. and Well, we're the living embodiment of the legacy of our grandparents and our great-grandparents and, and generations of knowledge. And, you know, me and Roberto were talking about this, how we have the world's, all of civilization's knowledge is now on our smartphone. Like, literally, at instantaneously, at our fingertips. All the knowledge, misinformation and real information, fake news and real news is all within a moment's notice at our fingertips. And that brings me to my next question is education. And you guys yeah. were kind of talking on it. <laughs> Does education need to be disrupted? You know, I have a friend who's $200,000 in debt. This poor yeah. girl graduated as an attorney, did it practice for a year and a half and was like, I hate this. And now I'm $200,000 in debt for a career and a life that I hate. So is the educational system broken? And, and if it is, how can we fix it? It's not a, Go ahead, Vicky. It's not a joke. I feel that, no, I feel, yes, um, colleges, universities have become a business, have become mm. a corporation. They are a business. That's um, the punchline. Uh, right. So enrollment is low. Um, everyone's scrambling to figure out how do we get them to enroll. I, I mean, I, I'm a college professor, for goodness sakes. Like, I can never say college is no good. And, and I still believe in this education system of growth and the idea of growth for growth's sake, not mm -hmm. for career's sake, right? You, you mm -hmm. learn so much. I mean, at least I learned so much. But um, the way of learning, like I have a 12-year-old daughter and I sat with my financial advisor. He's like, Vicky, do you want to set up her college fund? Hell to the no. I do not want <laughs> my funds for my kid to go to an institution. Mm. Like, let those funds be invested in a condo, in a home, to travel, to grow a business. Mm -hmm. College has become a corporation, money-making corporation. You have no idea. Uh, but revolutionize the way we're learning? Absolutely. Uh, this is one example of it. Oh, I think the traditional system is in place for the people that need it. Yeah. I want to say, yeah. like, there are some people that yes. need that, like, that regimented yeah. system. Yeah, right. Now, I'll be the first person to raise my hand and say, look, you can have a successful corporate career yep. without ever yep. going to college. However, I will also say that 
the system conspires against you. So I know for a fact that you will only go so far in corporate America if you do not have a bachelor's or an MBA. I went through this for a period of years. No, I went through this for a period of years where I was turned down for jobs that I was qualified for and literally about to get hired, I get a phone call and they're like, hey, Carlos, we're looking at your application. Um, you didn't fill in where you went to school. Like, where did you go to school, by the way? What is your matter call to be recruited to work for those No, not Or I, consult. I, I, yo, we're going to do a big check. Because you got education, but you got the chops. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Carlos? And you know what, Carlos? And yes, not having a degree may have been a barrier. You know what else was a barrier? You weren't the nephew. You weren't the son-in-law. You mm -hmm. weren't the favorite person that was introduced at a cocktail party. Nepotism would have got you in that door. Stupid nepotism or, is or, everywhere. How or many or you nepotism? Business, oh, oh, no. business relationships. Oh, no, 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 no. Or the color I'm, of your skin or your last no, name I'm not or even, here's the thing, your I'm age or your gender, I'm right? Not avoiding it. I'm not even avoiding it. And I'm not even saying that, oh, it shouldn't exist. Or There are reasons. And it's yeah. fine. I play the rule book. I don't play. Playing, uh, getting the college degree is just the leverage point of tying yourself to the association of a brand or getting through uh, an arbitrary filter that might be in place and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, that's still a low-level hack because it's just you competing with the person on, I went to a better school than you, I got a better yeah, GK than you. I feel I was tricked on getting a college degree. Yeah, no, you were. Because <laughs> I really feel like you were sold like the dream. school you system sent me to all of these like, uh, um, events where these tables existed and the universities to, were selling me a dream. You were I don't think you were tricked. Like, you were tricked. You were tricked. You were tricked because you're an entrepreneur. I, I wasn't back then, no, and there was no but, such thing as entrepreneur you class. Core, you're or an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman. <laughs> if you weren't a businesswoman, and like your friend who graduated college who an, who's an attorney, I don't feel bad for her. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Go open up your own PI firm. Go open up your own divorce firm. She just doesn't want to hustle. She wants a job. No, it's not Hold that she on. doesn't want to hustle. Want, no, no, no. I don't, I don't know her from Adam. To I, don't know, I don't know her from Adam. She wants somebody to pay her three, four hundred grand a year come to work Monday through Thursday, nine to five, work at home on Friday and get paid. And I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. Everybody who has anything busts their ass. And if she did, and believe me, your friend, tell her to open up her own office and call me. I'll get her leads all day. That's what we do. Well, I think we're wired to believe that the college degree is going to guarantee us a job. No, my we said, realize the scarcity in jobs. My well, the people that are well, hiring. So, so my, my, uncle my uncle before he passed away, he, he owned a firm. He owned the law firm and I hired uh, attorneys and I was like not even uh, fresh out of high school and I was paying their payroll. It was like a summer job and th these 40K and they just got out of law school. And I'm like, these poor guys, they're working 18 hours a day. They, they, I was scared the one guy was gonna hang himself in the back of the law firm. It's how miserable their lives were and they're making 40K. They don't know anything. You need experience to know but what they, doing. But they just paid an institution $200,000 plus to say we're going to teach you that's something. The system we were the wired to believe. The gatekeeper yes. to stop yes. everybody to coming in. Yes, and that's the joke. That's the bad joke. I'm because sorry. I'm going to tell you, it is. For money from the parents or whatever, I paid cash to be there, and I left. And the thing is, not only did I leave and not get my uh, degree in graphic design, but I got, <laughs> I got the job that I was going to apply for with that degree, yeah. and then I went on to even supersede that, work for an agency in Midtown Manhattan, do billboards in Times Square, and I did that without a degree. I got to do stuff for HBO Sports. I got to do the Stephen Hawking bloody covers for Random House, okay, that are in print today. <laughs> and that's the crowning like kind of accomplishment if you're a graphic designer, right? And I didn't stop there. I went and eventually went independent, and I built a six-figure business. I did that without the college degree that everybody so sold on. So but, what's the best advice then for young people? But here's the thing, and I'll say that because I'm getting to that, but here's why. When you go into debt for $200,000 on a college degree, 
if you had went into debt a hundred thousand dollars and bought a house, you yeah, have a yeah, tangible yeah, yeah. asset. That's right. You have yeah. a tangible I, asset. I wish I knew that. And a debt <laughs> weapon. Yeah. Even if you went twenty or ten thousand in on a car, yes, it's going to depreciate within three years to about seventy percent of its value unless it's the right brand. But it still is a tangible physical asset that for those yeah. three years you got use out of, could make some of the money back off of, and then you could flip it or sell it anyway and mm. still have something and buy a cheaper car except, or do whatever. Except the system but is set up, nobody will give sell, you You cannot sell, uh, that's the joke, that's the punchline. Right. You cannot sell your college education you degree. You can't degree. even mm. leverage it. You, you can't even leverage it to make back in four years mm. what you spent on it. You can't even make that back usually even in eight or 10 no. years. And you can't apply for bankruptcy. It's a lifelong debt. And I'd haunt you, and here's the thing, literally, if you took the upfront money, not just the student loans, mm -hmm. but the upfront out of cash pocket money that you still have to pay in those uh, first two years, and put it in the bank, and I ran the calculations, if you put, not even in the bank, sorry, if you put it into the market, you put it into an index fund, the thing Warren Buffett, one of the richest men in the world, says is the safest thing, by the time that you did the four years in college and the 10 years to pay off the loan, if you had put that money and then put a fraction of the money that you pay in the loans, in the loan repayments, when you're paying that 350 a month, that 500 a month, whatever it is, if you had been putting that over every month into the mm -hmm. index fund of the investment, you would come out ahead in that 14 years at a profit and have six figures in profit in 14 years instead of just relieving yourself after all this time mm -hmm. of debt. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's a joke and that's why it's a punchline. It's just overpriced and it's overmarketed and it's sold to people that don't even need well, it. Well, and, and I think it's more of like not needing it, right? Like the medical profession, definitely before you yep. cut me open. Any industry that's regulated. Yeah, any industry that's regulated, law and medical, I think aside, I believe marketing, creativity, business, a lot of these things, tech. the four tech, anyway. the, the one size fits all approach to education, I feel is broken. But no, go ahead, Carlos. The thing I want to say is, you know, the real education happens in the real world. Yes. On the job. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. You cannot compare experience yeah. to education by reading books or by hearing right. someone lecture to you. Now, I think we're all passionate about this because we're cut from very similar cloth. <laughs> and we can have this debate back and forth, but the reality is, look, there are merits to getting a traditional education. 100%. I have kids and I will never tell them, like, you know, go down the route that I did because it's not an easy route. Yeah. But what I will say are the facts. Most of my friends that have college degrees don't do professionally what they even study to do. That's right. Yeah. yeah Most that's right. people who pursue a corporate job are always going to have a ceiling or a cap in terms of their potential. Like you have no unlimited potential. That way? Are you going to hire that? Absolutely way? not. You're going to hire your talent. Guess what? Everybody who's going to hire the way that you were hired that put that cap on you, five, ten years, they're dead. It yeah. doesn't matter. We're all here. We're not going to hire that way. And we're the leaders. We're already in leadership right now. Five, ten years. We're crushing it. And guess what? Everybody who ever followed us, watched us, every one of the people that are our followers, aka our disciples, believe the same thing that we preach. The same way we used to believe the same thing What's, that people above the, us. The, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, I did, I did tech and hiring. I did tech hiring for like the last five years, and we've constantly hired computer science graduates who couldn't code. And then yes. coding boot camp yeah. graduates, and they could code their face off. And I know from experience, when I look at two resumes, and I'm like, computer science, okay, that's cute. Anything else yeah. on here? It no. Becomes, that's cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does. Okay. Cute. I, I speak with a lot of people on the DMs on social media, and they'll hit me up and they'll say, you know, look, dude, I want to start up my own business. I want to leave my corporate job. I see that you did it in the last year. That's awesome. Like, help me out. And I'll take a very quick look at their LinkedIn. I'm like, yo, you went to college and you work a really good job. So now I'm starting to. Ask these people, like, why do you want to leave your job? And it's mm. always the same thing. I'm not being pushed hard enough. 
I'm not being given enough responsibility. I'm not passionate about what I do. Are these usually millennials that reach out to you? And all, ages, all ages. All ages. Okay. Yeah. All ages. So where I'm going with all this is people are getting educated to pursue the traditional route, and now some entrepreneurship is sexy to them. It is. It's a sexy so, trend. No, so think about this. It's such a sexy People thing. are like so five, true. six years into a corporate job, yeah. and now they're like, yo, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I want to call. I want to call my own shots. I want to have my own yeah. business. I don't want to work for the man. I want to be the yeah. man. But or we the all woman. can't be entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. We need workers too. That's right? not even true. Actually, Actually that's not true. Well, you know what's crazy? President Obama. President Obama just paid off his student loans five years ago. Wow. Wow. That's why. Wow. By yeah. the way, by yeah. the way, we, it's not that about the fact that we can't all be entrepreneurs. There's a such thing as being a craftsman, a tradesman, a journeyman. There's a mm -hmm. such thing as that. And the thing is, everyone's forgetting that employment is a privilege that arrived in about roughly the last 300, 400 years of mm -hmm. the Industrial Revolution because no one had employment unless you worked for the right. lords and ladies of your society. Because the thing is, everyone had to have a craft and a trade and a business to eat. Everyone was at least on some level an entrepreneur or at best what you would call a freelancer mm -hmm. uh, which is the term that actually derived from the term hirelance which was mercenary because you were a soldier for hire a soldier of fortune if you will and that was the game because there was no such thing as industry until the industrial revolution it was very rare you would work and seasonally as a deckhand you would do system. this <laughs> exactly so the thing and is this, we're taking for granted yeah. this modern thing but we're going back to the point of you are responsible for yourself. You are responsible mm -hmm. for your own survival. No one provides you a living. You make one. You're That's, saying we're going back to that. We're going yeah. back to that. Yeah, we're going yeah, back. Yeah. And the thing is, there's pain to be had because the technological revolution is not the industrial revolution of cannibalizing workers. It's back to providing value directly to the market. The difference is, instead of it being a laborer on a fishing boat, it's being a coder. Instead of that, mm -hmm. it's being a consultant or a coach uh, in the same way that you would be the head of a guild. It's going backwards. Mm -hmm. We're going through another season. That's all it is. And no one, because people don't study history and entomology and things of that nature for a habit, because they have to work so much that they never bother to read anything. <laughs> right? People don't see it. Well, yeah, co college education, the nine-to-five job, the 40-hour work week, these are all new concepts. They're not things that have been with us for, for, thousands. for thousands of years. They're 100 years old, some of these concepts from the Industrial Revolution. Right, right. Um, so then we're predicated on an agricultural system, at least here in the West, that doesn't even exist anymore. Education is partly, again, another one of the jokes with the punchlines is we still have summer school and summer <laughs> vacation. Why? We don't send people back out into the field for free labor. <laughs> we don't have kids for free labor anymore, mm -hmm. not most of us anyway. So why do we still have that? Daylight savings time. It's a holdover and a tradition for farming and agro when that was the economy, and it's not the economy anymore. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're running low on time, but I have one last question for uh, each and every one of you before we wrap up. Uh, what does disrupt mean to you? Vicky, we'll start with you. <laughs> um, man, not to look at things the way you used to look at things. Completely different. Stand for what you believe in, even if you got to do it by yourself. Mm. I say go against the grain. There's no linear path to success. None. Times are going to get tough, and sometimes you just got to go against the current. Yeah, love that. Disrupt, man. Disrupt everything. And you got to live your life for yourself because at the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm happy with who I am and what I am. And if you got to, I'm sorry, if you got to dig shit for money to take care of your family, you know, I'm all for that because you got to do what you got to do. But at the end of the day, if you want to hang yourself because you're not happy doing what you're doing, there is another way. Like, there's many rivers lead to the great ocean, and 
unfortunately, there's many, more than one way to skin a cat. So. And don't be, don't be scared to disrupt yourself, right? <laughs> well, guys, awesome. Thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, if people want to connect with any of these amazing guests on social media, we're going to throw the links down there. Awesome. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Ciao.